0: Hello, everyone, we are back to our regular programming, Uh, Viviana and I have uh, taken a break from the arts. To focus on other artistic and creative endeavors and we're back
1: thank back you guys to
0: programming.
1: <laughs> thank you guys for sticking with us uh our loyal fans shout out to fabi uh <laughs> for dm we're actually doing really us. doing this
0: for fabiola if you're out there um, she was like where's where what happened guys and uh, we don't want to let you down
1: this is literally you are the wind beneath our wings um and we think about you all the time there there there's always there's always going to be those 99 people in the room telling you no but there's always going to be a fabiola in that same room telling you yes i care so yeah so thank you guys for uh sticking with us um we're back to this is our uh fifth show i i think um i lost count i lost count uh you you can't really count when you're having fun really. So. Um, if you think numbers are real or times linear, um, but
0: And we can round up to 10, just, just in case.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're, we're excited to be back on track. Um, and for for this episode, we decided to do it on a uh, very special film. Uh, it's been around for a while. not sure if you guys have heard of it, or maybe you've heard of references to this iconic movie, but Today's episode is focusing on the 1992 film Basic Instinct, which is described as a neo-noir erotic thriller. It's a wild ride if you've never seen it.
0: And I have never seen this movie before, but Viviana has heard about it, talked about it. And <laughs> I usually don't watch uh, thrillers, so I, you know, it's if you're if you're gonna listen to this, take a leap of faith with us.
1: Stick around. Well, there are going to be some negative comments, uh, <laughs> but that's not what we we want to focus on. To to sum, to sum it up, when Ronnell and I spoke about the film over text when we saw it, was the film good? No, but it was entertaining by all means. Let's just dissect it a little bit.
0: And before we do, this movie was uh, it has some problematic parts to it. So, you know, trigger warning, if you know, there's a lot of sex. Um, something that is like called rough sex in it, but what we would consider rape now, like
1: a lot of gore, which was which was which wasn't anticipated.
0: Um, yeah, like it it was a lot for me. I, I looked away from those scenes. It's so many different things. It's a it's really a combination of different genres, which is um, you know it's it's good to watch those kind of things because. Uh, this is some there's something out there. It's called femme fatale when there's a female protagonist who um, is a killer and she kills her, her partners or she kills uh, and seduces people around her to get what she wants. And in some way it, this whether or not she's empowering other women or uh, a feminist icon is something we can get into later on. Uh, It's not my place to say, (laughs) you know, I'm really just here as a part of the conversation. Um, Because definitely the movie was uh, groundbreaking for its time. Right.
1: It's yeah. So let's let's, um, well, I guess before we we go into some of the uh, uh, motifs, before we go go into um, some of these themes, uh, a very basic summary of the film. A retired musician millionaire is brutally murdered in his uh, in his bedroom with an ice pick, and uh, detectives are called to investigate. Turns out this man was dating this um, this this bombshell, this blonde bombshell, who's who's uh, who's pretty smart. She's got um, she's she's got a degree in psychology, and uh, I believe what is it, writing. Um, she's an author, and one of the reasons what makes her such a prime suspect for this case is because she wrote, um, she wrote a book that details the death of an ex-musician millionaire who is brutally murdered with an ice pick. So there's these parallels between her book and the actual killing, and you know they, there's this long chase between this detective played by Michael Douglas um, if you know Michael Douglas, he is also known for his. Um, I think it came out in the '80s. That that super iconic film, Wall Street, and a bunch of other films. He's been around. He's married. I think he's still married to Catherine Zeta-Jones, if that means anything to anybody. Anyway, he was like hot shit for the time. So he, <laughs> the character is played by Michael Douglas, and this bomb trail is played by Sharon Stone.
0: So let's not spoil it because it's, it's Secret. um it's a secret it's a thriller plus even if we tell you who it is you're gonna know who the killer is and right away like you trust your gut Mm. (laughs) this wasn't a film where uh you try to guess who who killed or who's doing the killing or the murderers um it's kind of watching um the main character the
1: the protagonist
0: yeah him like unravel slowly and have like Sharon Stone's character do that unraveling mm-hmm. and how, how, how much of a game it is for her to like toy with people and make them do her bidding and it's, it's a power move you know for her to do as much as she does and seduce she literally seduces people just by looking at them. Um,
1: I'm not gonna the, the, I'm not gonna lie right now if I was in his shoes I would be seduced by this character too So, okay, so Sharon Stone's character in the film is Catherine and Michael Douglas's character is Nick. If I came into contact with Catherine any given day, 1992 or 2021, I mean, I'm all on board. You know what I mean? So I can't really, I can't blame this guy. I don't know. It's so
0: obvious to everyone else. I'm going to spoil it. Fuck it. I don't care. (laughs) So Sharon Stone is a killer and everyone (laughs) is like... You know, she's the she's the person who kills, um, you know, the guy that she's having sex with, uh, the famous rock star or whatever. And she writes a book out about it that was released before and she uses it as her alibi. And, you know, Nick is like, yeah, of course she did it. Um, you know, we're, we're looking for someone that fits the profile. There is DNA everywhere. Major <laughs> plot hole. Right. They never check for DNA. Um, the the <laughs> They don't even check for fingerprints. And at the same time, this is why I don't, you know, don't watch movies with me because I'm gonna tell you, they, you know, this is the same San Francisco police department. Uh, you know, they got killers on the inside
1: because mm. they
0: they let go of some people. Uh, you know, they couldn't catch the the what was his name, the Zodiac fucking the killer. Z-
1: are we bringing <laughs> up the Z- yes?
0: Z- Z- of course, Z- these people are so incompetent. Uh, <laughs> You know, the fucking Golden Gate Strangler, like...
1: Oh, shit, yeah.
0: The, you know, the, the killers are always knocking from inside the house, so... Yeah. Um, I We never take sides of... I mean, I'll speak for myself. I did not take the side of the police on this one. They, they, they're not the good guys in any film. But I did have um, a soft place in my heart for Gus, which is like the... La- not the lackey, but he's like the adorable Comic-y. sidekick... <laughs> Yeah, he's a comic relief. They call him Cowboy, and uh, he's kind of like the straight man. Like he's watching Michael and be like, "Why, why did you like start sleeping with the main suspect in the case?" Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. You know what? I'm gonna stop talking.
1: Let, since you brought up, since you brought up Gus, um, I want to bring up an iconic quote that Gus told told uh, Nick in the film right when. Gus was so was noticing Nick being super erratic with his decisions, with his blind motivation to to find out the truth whether um, Catherine is the killer or not. He stops him in the middle of the road, busy San Franciscan road, and he says, "Your judgment's all fucked up," or something along. Because she's got that uh, sigma cum laude pussy. I mean, that quote sums up Nick's character very well, right? He's a he's a good intention guy, questionable uh, uh, at his worst, right? But I feel like his mind was in, in the right spot. And his heart too for, for most of the film. I skipped oh, ahead,
0: but let's let's go back to, you know, the context, right?
1: Yeah. So uh, we mentioned it before. Sex is is a I mean, it's in the it's in the description, right? An erotic thriller. But sex is probably um probably one of the main characters in this film too, right? If you're not comfortable with that, right, um, probably don't watch this film. Cause it's not it's not even something that you can like Oh, there's a scene here, and I can and I can just like close my eyes, or I can fast forward, and the sex scene is done, right? It's just like the sex is like palpable within every single scene of a film. It's in the air. It's like it's honestly so mind blowing how they're able to like capture this intense eroticism with anything any character does. Even Newman, that guy from from Seinfeld, that guy. He was in that scene. He was in the movie for like two minutes, but they did a close up of his face, like he was sweating, and I'm like, how is this like sex? Like, <laughs> why is this sexual? It's it plays a big, big part in the film, and that's something that's that's done what through through the the score of the film, right? Pretty good, a pretty good soundtrack, right? Through obviously the 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 camera lens, right? Who's the, who's the story being told by? You know a white a white man right the the male gaze right for sure not even getting to that right but just the way the the camera the camera is in every scene right it's it's done something pretty unique in that i don't feel like i've ever seen a film where like not even 50 shades of gray is able to do what basic instinct did in 1992 does that make any sense am i the only one
0: i think i know i so you're trying to say that it, it kind of uh, you know it's not it's not so it's it's a movie that uh you know it captures it captures that kind of lust or that you know there's there's people that are driven by lust there are people that are like the, uh, the the one of the biggest things about the femme fatale is that she seduces people to do her bidding and to manipulate them and you can see how you know she uses she she's a heiress a millionaire but she doesn't get what she wants by using her money. She gets what she wants from.
1: That Sigma cum laude. uh.
0: (laughs) I mean, from what I hear, you know, but it's, it's so wild because she, you know, she has so many lovers in the film and they all do her bidding. Like she had a girlfriend that was driven to, 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 Try and kill Nick at some point.
1: Yeah, I mean, this film. Literally, when we say she seduces anyone, we're talking man. We're talking woman. We're talking, we're talking man, child, a uh, uh, woman uh, uh, on the street, bystander. Um, her her energy is just so um, so pure. Yeah,
0: when when they had her in for questioning, there was like eight guys in there questioning her, mm-hmm. and there's this famous scene where she. Uh, opens up her legs to cross her legs and she flashes everyone um, and she's not wearing any underwear and you cannot watch that and get a little red you know (laughs) (laughs) that was a big thing that was like uh you know for the nudity it's it's not something you usually see in in films or as to I think it was one of, uh, when I was doing research, it came up as one of the scenes most, one of the movies with the most pauses. I think oh, gross. So, many, so many horny dudes were just trying to pause it because if you blink, you'll miss it. Um, there's a lot of people out, especially in the 90s, you know, when, you know, I, I'm sure you had different access to, to nudity and, mm. you know,
1: when when porn wasn't as accessible, uh, the the second close the best thing you had to it was was this film, for sure. Um, yeah, and that scene that scene um, that that scene that Ronel mentioned about um, Catherine crossing. She's in this white dress, um, her hair's up. Um, she's crossing her legs. She's she flashes the the detective. She's not wearing any any underwear. Um, and it just, just for a glib for, for a brief moment. Right. You can, you can see, um, what are we calling it? Her hoo-ha? What are we calling this?
0: You know, the landing strip, you know, you see, her.
1: yeah, you see it all. You see, you see it all. There's no secrets. Um, and that's, a, it's one of the most, um, I'm going to say it wrong, but there's been a parody of that scene in other like comedy films since it's time. Right. Um, but uh, so also too, I guess we can talk about, um, so we talk about how like, it's, it's a very sexual film. Um, and we, we described it in the beginning as like it, well, it being self-described as a neo-noir film. But, and I think I mentioned it to you too, when we were talking about the film. It, how, how, I guess, how serious did this film feel to you?
0: I've, I only watched it one time, but I, I kind of tried taking it seriously as I could. But um, I think some of the characters, played it up or um just didn't i think it was supposed to feel campy but maybe it's looking back now and looking at Mm. that because they're copying like the the you know the famous noir thrillers of like the 40s so you if they have that as their um i guess their their source it's gonna feel kind of uh
1: outdated for its time right I feel like for the 90s I feel like it was kind of like maybe it was trying to improve on the design by doing something new by by adding such like raw like nudity and and sexuality on film um being inclusive too right she's like a bisexual woman (laughs) bisexual murderess um it, it I don't think it really I think because it was trying to do something new with that like um, with such an old framework it didn't really fit and it wasn't very complimentary and I think it just overall it it emphasized how like how out of sync those those two went hand in hand and that's why I felt it kind of seemed almost surreal like kind of campy I mean there were some laugh out loud like scenes for sure um, whether it was intended to be like funny or not but like now you can say like that was like that's dumb. I'm gonna laugh at that. These um, themes just didn't really go hand in hand for me, and I'm trying to think of a, I'm trying to think of a something close to a neo noir film that's like adult now, and nothing's really coming to mind because it's not something that like I usually seek out. Um, but I'm kind of curious to know now if there's any like modern day film that has done that, and and whether or not if they've done it well where I can be like, ooh, yeah, like this is sexy. This is like thrillery. This is like, you know, who did it, right? Yeah, uh, but that's 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 something I, I got into. to.
0: The way that they probably do it now is like these cop action films where they kind of let go of the 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 premise of it, I guess. Because it's like, these guys are literally going like, you killed him, didn't you? Like,
1: <laughs> you did it. Yeah, yeah, you, you hated his guts, didn't you?
0: Yeah, you, you wrote the book to get an alibi, so we wouldn't think that you were the killer, but we know you're the killer. We just can't grab you. And yeah. it's... <laughs> She's literally walking into the, the police uh, department, um, saying, you know, I'm not going to bring in my attorney. I'm not going to, you know, lie, like, just very calm, not stressed, not pressed.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. Modern day Karen, right? Walking in to the Jewel right. Osco, no mask on. I'm not afraid yeah. of nobody. What are you gonna do, arrest me?
0: <laughs> one, of the, one of the things that sincerely bothered me about just anytime, okay, anytime you have police um, and white women and mostly white police, right? There was only one black police officer in the whole thing and he was kind of... There's the props. I'm, yeah. Like, I think that you know she could go in there and you know basically murder someone and they don't really you know they don't even arrest her really they're like they give her a chance to change into her clothes to be more comfortable when they you know seek her out and they're kind of like oh well she's uh she's busy she's a writer so uh you know we're not gonna really move forward on this case because we don't have any proof um and then she's just kind of like baiting Nick to like chase her so that she can get into his mind because he's also, his nickname is Shooter. So he had a big drinking and coke problem and he shot some tourists and um, I think his wife committed suicide, it, it comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a troubled man and he, a uh, big conflict of interest. He's having sex with the psychiatrist for the, the police department. Her, her name is Beth. And then you find out that Beth went to school with- uh, Catherine. Catherine, and they, they have a past together. So the reason why Nick is the, uh, the target is because Catherine found out that you know, they, they were sleeping together and wanted to get revenge and then also use Nick as the character for her next novel. So her first novel that she wrote was about this boy whose parents died in an airplane accident. And then you find out her parents died in a boat accident. Um, Her second book was about uh, someone who murdered a rock star and got away with it. And her third book was about Uh, someone murdering a cop a detective and getting away with it so you're kind of like all right this person is gonna kill and kill again she's a psychopath or a sociopath
1: she's clearly the killer but Nick is, is just he's always questioning like did she really do it did she really do it or are her former lovers like helping her um play out these crimes right so we have her one um her one girlfriend, Roxy, who's like a live-in, um, or I don't know live-in, but she frequents um, Catherine's house a lot. Catherine allows Roxy to to view her sexual encounters with other people, and it, it, it's just questionable, right? She ends up um, chasing Nick in this one super dramatic scene, and she ends up dying right in a car crash. But that those little seeds are planted in Nick's brain of like. Oh, Roxy was trying to kill me this whole time. Not Catherine. Maybe it was her. And then when it's found out that Beth and Catherine had a sexual history in college, right? They were quote unquote like experimenting, right? This is my first time. That is all that seed of doubt is also like um, buried in his mind about like, oh, that's, you know, that's suspicious. Why didn't she bring anything up before? It's mentioned that Beth changed her name from Lisa to Beth because she had a husband that would just call her Beth. And it was like never addressed in the film. And that like, so when like huge plot holes, right? That aside, Nick was just like, well, why did you, ch- why did you change your name? She, she was like, well, you know, I got married. So my last name changed and my, my husband just used to call me Beth. So I changed it. And it and like that set the tone too for like that's also like a big indicator of the film. Of just how little fucking thought went into writing like female like (laughs) the characters in the film. I mean, obviously Catherine's character of using sex as a weapon of empowerment and also violence is just like super sour and bitter and just like gross. And then we have another character, the like second strongest character, uh, female character in the film, um, should have been Beth, and was kind of hyped up to be Beth, but. She obviously didn't live up to any of those standards. It, she just doesn't address, she doesn't confront Nick about his rage. We mentioned, now mentioned earlier that she was a character that was raped by Nick, right? And that just wasn't addressed. They just gave her no agency throughout the film. She was just kind of dragged along. And at the end, you kind of were like there, I, I could see why some people would have been like, oh, Beth was obsessed with with Catherine this whole time. and And she was the one that went through with these like these murders right because she was just obsessed with her and blah 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 but I mean yeah I mean that's just I I think that's what they try to do right that they try to paint this one female character this femme fatale character um of just being so like intoxicating right um that you'd lose your mind over um and it just falls it's like it falls obviously very short of that And it just gets like kind of funny, like super campy. And it's just like, okay, this girl just has a shake and go wig, like, like Catherine's hair, and that she's just running around with an ice pick, like, doesn't make sense. And that was probably one of the most disappointing characters for me, too.
0: Also, an ice pick is something, it's like literally, when I first read a synopsis, I was like, oh, that's smart. The murder weapon is a ice pick, so it melts. So the you don't know what the it's not it's actually just a pick that you use to break. It.
1: You did not think an ice I pick did. was made out of ice.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought. It was a okay ice pick. Some one of those things you take off your roof, you know, when it snows, and you could pierce someone with it. But
1: Ronald completely forgot the film was taken in the, was shot in San Francisco.
0: <laughs> so who uses ice? Uh, never mind. It was really it felt like the there was a lot of car scenes. There was a lot of, um, you know, detect people doing detective work, but I feel like they're, you know, it's, it reminds me, so movies in the 90s are just not written to be good, they're written to, to be enjoyed, mm. so you kind of yeah. take it as it is, so we're, I'm not, you know, uh, I, we, so we love movies, uh, we're kind of shitting on, on this movie, but where I wanted to go back to talk about, you know, why it's, 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 it was so popular, you know, why it had this cult following and, and how does it contribute to the category of femme fatale and developing uh, women protagonists. I really don't know how you could watch this movie and be like, um, when it came out, a lot of people were like, who, who done it? Who did it? Who was the killer like <laughs> there's a lot of people I googled it, it was like burn notice who was the real killer
1: <laughs> yeah so there are a, a couple of things that are obviously outdated in the film Run. I know I, I joked about I joke I joke right with Ron you thought the ice pig was made out of ice but yeah like who uses an ice pig today right nobody right I'm not Bruce Wayne living in a mansion right having my butler cut hand cut me ice cubes with, with basic instinct, being on Netflix, right, being super accessible, do you think it it's it's a film that we could see kind of go into um, kind of mainstream pop culture discussions to date with any kind of positive reflections of the film? Or do you see it as just a, another talking piece for like, yeah, just another classic 90s film that just did women so dirty and bogus and offered nothing
0: new from what i read was that this film made a sharon uh sharon stone's career i think just the you know amount of nudity in it and um her willingness to do the nudity i think it was something that a lot of actresses turned down um not saying that that's something i look for in movies the opposite but i think for what the movie was i think if you like i think especially older people have some kind of uh uh affinity towards watching movies made from when they were growing up especially like car scenes now like you can't watch a car scene on any movies that are coming out now and it doesn't involve like you know this outrageous um explosion or you know someone's some some motorist get their, gets their head cut off like this was a old school uh chase scene where they are going you know up a hill and going you know cutting it close so they wouldn't get run over or get ran off the road. So I think that it was it just reminds me of simpler times. But but a lot of the a lot of the attitudes I guess were kind of outdated for for the film because they were like, how could a beautiful woman be this cold hearted murderer? Mm-hmm. You know, that's not possible. So yeah. Get the answers.
1: Um it's kind of um okay so one one quick note. Yeah like I like I do shit on it for being like such a like bad film, right? <laughs> But again, like what we had mentioned, like it's not a good film, but it is entertaining. And there was this constant like fast paced, like what's the next move? What are we on? Where's Nick going? Right. This man is drunk off his shit and he's just driving around San Francisco or what's Catherine scheming? Right. Just this like super fast paced, like game of chess on crack. And it was it was entertaining to watch, right? Like all like all problems aside, which is something that I did appreciate in the for the film. But you you mentioned something like super um, super interesting too about like that outdated idea of like oh beautiful women can't be murderers, right? And I think there was like a time. What was it after like the two thousand tens? We just saw like a resurgence of this same like plot of like Gone Girl. Remember Gone Girl? Did you ever watch that film?
0: I haven't seen it. I want to, but. Would you I just watch it? Watch... we could talk about
1: it Let's... yeah all right we'll, we'll, we'll pin that I'll edit this out <laughs> So like Gong girl is an example of this idea right that you mentioned this trope of like oh she couldn't have possibly done it. she's this beautiful you know white woman like there's no way right she got money. she was smart she was an author what you know what what, what motive would she have had to have um, faked her her murder, faked her death? why would she go through all this trouble of like framing somebody? A lot of films post like 2010, where we're, we're seeing this resurgence of like female um, assassins who aren't taken seriously or aren't considered assassins because they're women. Most noticeably.
0: Have you ever seen, oh, you you ever seen Ex Machima or Machina? Ex
1: Machina. Yeah. I was going to, yes. I was going to mention that. I was going to mention that. I was going to mention this other one with, um, I think it's called Colombiana where again, this woman is not thought to believe to be the killer because she's a woman. Um, so I, I hate bringing it back to Batman, bro, but here we are in um, in The Dark Knight Rises, they don't consider Selina Kyle, Catwoman, to be this uh, criminal because she's a woman, right? Like she, her character ends up um, kidnapping this politician and they, she, she sets it up right so that she turns on his phone and the police are able to track him. And then they bust, they bust down the doors to, the, to this bar. And when it happens, she throws herself on the floor and she's like becomes this flailing, right, fragile woman just screaming for help. And the cops assist her out, right, because it's just like another woman in distress and she's scared, she doesn't know what's happening. And she ends up getting away with it, right? So it's just like this whole, these, this motive is. We see it constantly in, in film. It's so interesting. I don't really know why we're not past that.
0: I I'll, I'll speak for the uh, the patriarchy. <laughs> so <laughs> it reminds me of, of the whole story behind Adam and Eve. So you have to put all of the um, you have to not antagonize, but you know you're making women. You're making a character who represents evil or who represents like a seductress. And you kind of put, you know, she represents like evilness in the world and this kind of like sly evilness that's hidden, but in plain sight, so. Mm.
1: That's Ronel's theology uh, knowledge coming into play in real life, super great, super great reflection. It always comes back to uh, Christianity um, with these themes in Western media. I'd I'd be interested to know in what other people who have maybe have never seen this film if they see it, if if they notice any any similarities or influences in any of the films or car, like cartoons or TV or or whatever that they've seen they've seen recently, one of another segment that we do on our show is we ask each other would would you be friends with any of the characters in the in the film?
0: <laughs> I can't wait 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 wait. Before we do, let me tell you, there's a, we we don't do enough of this where we go into quotes from the film, but Mm. I wanted to share a quote when they're interviewing Catherine. uh, One, the first time, or maybe after that, uh, they ask her, were you ever engaged in any sadomasochistic activity? And then she replies, exactly what did you have in mind? (laughs) (laughs) So just the fact that, you know, she spins all the questions into, You know, like, you know, people are asking her, are you a pro at this? She's like, no, I'm an amateur. So it's not like she's not taking any of the questioning seriously. And she, um, I don't know, maybe we all know a Catherine, you know, maybe we all fall fall for the wrong people. (laughs) There's people who slowly kill you every day. And, you know, that's why I stay away from people with bad vibes. But uh, (laughs) to answer your question, uh, I said it earlier, but I really like Gus. They call him Cowboy, and he has a very like down to earth cowboy mentality (laughs) Mm. uh, that comes up, and he cares about uh, Nick. So Nick is you know bottom of the barrel kind of guy, barely scraping by, doesn't get along with people, and he's the main. Of course, he's the main protagonist (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, because I guess men in the '90s could really see themselves in him. But what about you, you, Viviana?
1: um (laughs) i i mean yeah gus is all right he's an all right guy but i honestly bro i'd probably say nobody i think i I think it'd be interesting to have a conversation with um with Catherine for sure. this idea too of um have you seen or have you heard of killing eve
0: i have heard of it award winning show i haven't seen it
1: it's about a female assassin and she has been um the topic of discussion um since the show came out right because for its like ingenuity for its like fresh of breath air for for modern day television but it's just so shocking I don't know when I think the show came out like 2017 I think but it's just like this was like only a couple years ago that we're we're barely seeing like fleshed out characters being written by women about female assassins who are by the way like bisexual who are like three-dimensional characters so for, so from that like we see Catherine in you know this 1992 film Basic Instinct to modern day Killing Eve on screen with its like entirely fleshed out like black backstory and her motives and the same this the same way we can look at an anti-hero like Tony Soprano, who is a murderer, who is like a bad guy by all means. But there's still something in you that's just like, ah, I fuck with this guy, right? He's like family. Like I don't I don't care, right? The same way we do with um, with any like anti-hero, male anti-hero of like, what is it, breaking bad, just other like, you know, questionable men in, in, in modern television. I'm I'm talking about television, not so much film, because there there is with, with, with TV, you are afforded that luxury of like time to tell a story, right? So that you don't have with film. I don't know, like maybe in talking to Catherine, right? As like, not a character, but as like maybe a person who could possibly exist, right? Like having that conversation with her and having a coffee with her, whatever she's into. I don't know. Like, I feel like there was, you know, some meat on the bones with Catherine's character, but it was just, it wasn't there. It wasn't there for me. So maybe in having this this fictional conversation with her, I would be able to, to see her more in a more interesting and in a more dynamic light, like the way I would see the main villain in Killing Eve.
0: I dig it. I think a lot because, you know, I, I'm i sure there's, you know, enough written about this out there, but we don't really get to see Catherine as uh, who she is in her backstory or... How she, you know, became a killer. We just know that she does this to get kicks, but no, no real um, understanding of who she is as a person before that or outside of that. Mm.
1: Um,
0: she more she more so imbues like this lustfulness or this like there's the male gaze of watching her na- like naked and put on clothes and seduce other people of. I guess, like, trying to um, win her over to, like, find out if she's a killer, which I I doubt has worked for anybody. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think that's a really good point. I would, you know, if you want to meet Catherine, uh, I would want to meet Roxy. <laughs> just being, her being so ride or die, it's, it's so hard to, I think that's, you know, it for, for what the relationship was. We we don't even know who Roxy really was. We just mm-hmm. know she had a, a traumatized childhood. And then...
1: And a fun name.
0: And a fun name, really. Yeah. yeah, that's really all there is to it.
1: No meet and greets for for Beth's character, for sure. She was... There's no hope for that character, for sure. She was written into a bubble.
0: Yeah, if, yeah. You're, if you're a psychologist or someone in the mental health profession and you're sleeping with one of the people that you're supposed to be helping, huge ethics violation, uh, <laughs> does not pass the vibe check. Um, so,
1: sorry, Beth.
0: Especially if you have this person's record and technically it's it's more than unethical because you are um, being romantically involved with someone that should be on their path to recovery. Anyways, you know how I feel about it now. Just um, <laughs> let the
1: record straight.
0: Yeah, I'll set the record st- straight, but if you're, if you're into like, uh, you know, she was kind of like this nerdy, cute girl, like, mm. you know, the girl next door, so she couldn't be the killer also, and she was kind of put to be like this woman that was helping pick up Nick, and Nick just dropped her to go pursue, I think Beth and Catherine were kind of put there together to be opposites in a way. hmm um, yeah,
1: I think I think that was the intention, right? Because we have um this s- super s- sexualized blonde woman who doesn't wear underwear beneath her dresses, um, just going everywhere, just going out, you know, in, in any um any situation, just like she's she's walking the runway. And then we have somebody who's working as a mental health professional. Uh she's a she's a, a brunette, she's got a bob cut, she wears um. You know, overly large like jackets, big pants, right? We got some um, some uh, male aesthetics going on with the way she dresses, but she's you know a beautiful woman by all means too. Overall, are we rec- We're recommending this. Are we recommending this movie?
0: I think if you if you um, seeing the high and lows of of women being portrayed in, in thrillers, if that's your your niche. Um, it's on netflix until the end of february so i would i would not have seen it if you didn't recommend it but (laughs) i think it does give me a certain vantage point for for um movies that fall into the fatale category or i will always watch a movie that was made in the 90s just to see um, how
1: far we've come
0: (laughs) how far we've come and also the the techniques are so different now because you you had to do more with less so um, The chase car, the car chase scene was really good to watch, and also the the club scene I thought was really fun because especially now you you it's like all these people dancing in the '90s and they're like doing drugs in a bathroom and it doesn't come off as like um, we want to be there. We want to <laughs> be there. <laughs> all these people are are basically synchronized, but not in a, a music video kind of way. They're always just kind of bobbing their heads to the music. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I would say, you know, check it out. I'm not going to stop you from checking it out. All our warnings um, being stated, right? I would, I would check it out. Maybe um, this film can offer you some unique insight or perspective into the mindset of an early 90s filmmaker or where, you know, our thoughts on female, empower, empowered female characters were in the 90s, right? All this being said, If you want to check it out, again, like Ronald said, it's going to be on Netflix until the end of February. Um, Maybe this film can offer you uh, something something new. Um, If not, it's definitely entertaining. And if you do watch it, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You know how to reach us? I don't know. (laughs) For our two listeners, you know how to reach us, obviously. You know who we are. Um,
0: And a reminder, we're not here to talk about good films. We're here to talk about nuance.
1: Nuance films.
0: That's our bread and butter. If you want any good movie recommendations, we got you. Mm-hmm. If you want to watch movies, that will make you say, hmm, was that a waste of time? <laughs> <laughs>
1: let, let me see what Rodnell and Viviana have to say
0: about it. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I, well, now work is busy for me, but um, we're well, not busy. It's always been busy, but now it's like my schedule is more packed throughout the day. So I watch movies on the weekend and Um. I've seen a lot of bad movies in in the time that we haven't uh, been recording. I've been watching movies that, um, I don't know. I don't know how to describe them. They're not good. I've been watching a lot of the, the uh, TV shows and kind of like um, spreading that out throughout my week. Mm. Um, I watched Lord of the Rings. Um,
1: Did you like it? Be honest.
0: So because it was on HBO, HBO Go or Max or whatever and I liked it because there's so many references on the internet about it and I saw the trilogy um, in a month on on the weekends. So I think so. It I didn't really get too into the, the story or the kingdoms or the whole for, folklore behind it but I think it's a good film if you like action films and can get past the the subtleties about it
1: yeah I'll have to check it out I'm gonna be honest I've never um it's never appealed to me in any way but I will I will check it out I do like the the director I feel like has done some pretty good stuff like outside of Lord of the Rings Mm -hmm. um but I'll check it out but yeah so similarly I have to I've watched some questionable films during our hiatus no film is um have you really seen a film if you don't talk about it with other people, right? If you don't, you know, go through the details, the themes, the, the I don't know. You have to have the, the, a discussion after the film, I believe. And that's not easy for a lot of people, especially during um, quarantine, right? Um, Ronel and I were, were thinking, toying with the idea of maybe getting a, a guest speaker every now and then, right, on the show um just to liven it up just to spice it up for you guys um i mean we certainly hope we we're enough for our listeners um uh so i just want to get that straight straightened out um but yeah we'd, we'd love to have um we'd love to hear from you guys too and love to have have some of you guys on the show It'd first of nice. all
0: I, i'm not looking for validation from any of our fans <laughs> second of all um, it will mean the world to me if you are able to come on here and um, I guess just for the sake of um, entertainment and fun, being able to uh, tell us about a movie that um, has made a big impact on you or a movie that you um, didn't understand and we can go through it and really like talk about it because I think there's some movies that are a, a more well-rounded experience to talk about them, you know, with other people. So, mm. reach out to us. You have our phone numbers, or most likely, social media. Yeah,
1: because
0: uh, you know, if you don't, if you don't have the digits, don't worry about it. Yeah. but you can always catch us on social media.
1: If you didn't hear from us from social media, that's crazy. And thank <laughs> you <laughs> for sticking with us. Um, but yeah, sorry, you can't join us. Um, but maybe someday, maybe someday. Um, but yeah. Um, that that being said, um, we'd like to thank you guys again for sticking with us. Um, we love and appreciate all of you. Um, we see you. We hear you. Um, it's been a it's been a hard time, and hopefully, our 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 presence has been um, I don't know welcomed um, needed um, once we jump back on your feed. So. Yeah, thank thank yeah,
0: you. One thing you won't hear on this podcast ever is, uh, you know, the the phrase "we're uh, living in unprecedented times" because <laughs> I hate that phrase. Um, I think there's, you know, we we are here to cultivate friendship. We're here to cultivate uh, Community. the love of cinema. Um, there's only so few of us that really understand. Uh, what we're going through and and part of our relationships um, that's that's so hard now is reaching out to people and uh, you know telling people what you're going through I know for me it's been a lot of changes and uh, transitions so if you're willing if you're willing to to be in a in a vulnerable space with us we'll take you in
1: if you're willing to be vulnerable with us on this movie podcast, <laughs> we'd love to have you. Um, because you know what they say, all art is a reflection of the human experience. And um, we need to dive deep into ourselves sometimes to understand art that we don't understand. And with that being said, uh, we'll, see you, we'll see you guys next time. Maybe, hopefully with a, with a guest star.
0: Besitos to everyone. Ciao, Bella.